Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Man, if you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 13, we are finishing Acts 13 this week. Woohoo! <laughs> we'll jump in. We'll jump into Acts 14 uh, next Sunday, and then actually we're we're going to take a little break. Uh, is is uh, the the last Sunday of May and all through June. We're going to be jumping into a a uh, four or five week series called Praying Through the Psalms. Uh, we're going to be we're going to be preaching through the Psalms and and really uh, teaching, uh, really preaching, but also trying to teach and instruct how to pray through uh, the Psalms, the Word of God, and and also as we as we walk through the Psalms, uh, making sure we are making the the uh, connection back to Jesus from the Psalms. Amen. So, so uh, Acts chapter 13, and, and we'll dive into the text in, in just a moment. Uh, it, it seems like a lifetime ago, but, but when we, when Stephanie and I were in Magnolia with Luke, Levi, and Titus, this was pre-Ben, pre-Rue, uh, we, we were in Magnolia. I, actually, I started a fitness company, uh, super original name, Brooks Fitness, uh, and, and I, I, ran, I ran boot camps in uh, Tomball and Magnolia in the mornings, and, and, and I was also, uh, at the time, I was uh, doing bivocational pastor, so doing uh, marketing and advertising for a wellness center in the Woodlands. So uh, it, it, at one point, uh, I, I started assessing patients uh, at this wellness center and designing workout plans for these patients. And, and uh, the folks at, at, at the well, that, that use the wellness center, they, they ranged in age from their 20s all the way to their 70s and 80s. Uh, needless to say, for, for at least some of, of the clients, their, their bodies were not accustomed to resistance. <laughs> You're like, amen, neither is mine. Uh, and, and even, even in the, uh, the, the initial assessment, you could glean a lot uh, from their reaction uh, to, to some simple exercises and strength tests. And I got to where, over the course of a year, I could even begin to predict whether or not they were going to stick with uh, the, these resistance exercises that, that, I was, uh, that I was writing up for them. And so for, for, those, for those not accustomed to working out, often the, the minute they encountered any kind of resistance, any kind of resistance, they, they might react by stopping immediately, right? Like they're going, yep, we're done here. Just, we're done. You're like, yeah, that was my last exercise program. Uh, or, or, or they might react by loudly uh, protesting the exercise. They were going to let me know. Uh, or, or they might, they might uh, when they encountered resistance, they, they, might, they might push back in some other way. Church fam, wherever the gospel goes forth, there will be resistance. Amen? 
Because where there is gospel clarity, there will be gospel pushback. Y'all hear me this morning? Wherever there is gospel clarity, there will be gospel pushback. And I, I, I talked about this last week, but listen, the gospel more, more than God loves you or, or Jesus wants a relationship with you or, or God wants to revamp the purpose of your life. Uh, the gospel, we talked about this last week, the gospel is a rescue mission, amen? The gospel is a rescue mission. We, we need rescue. And therein, church family, lies the offense of the gospel. Therein lies the offense of the gospel um, many, they don't, they don't want to be rescued. They, they, don't, they don't think they, they need to be rescued. And so as Acts 13, as it comes to a close, Paul, Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they encounter some pretty intense resistance to the, to the point of being kicked out of, of town. And, but but I, I believe in their reaction, man, we can, listen, we can gain some pretty invaluable wisdom and here's the question. Here's the question as we jump into our text this morning. Christian, how, how do you respond to resistance? How do you, how do you respond to resistance? More, more specifically, how do you respond to, to gospel resistance? When, when others come against, their, when they are against Jesus, when they are against the word of God and when they are against you, does your, does your response, does it add gasoline to the fire or does it bring glory to God? How, how, do, we, how do we get the right reaction to resistance? And so as we dive into our text, I, I want you to turn to Acts 13, 42. And I'm going to read, I'm going to go back and read through verse 46. As we, as we get to our first point this morning, it says this, as they went out, as they went out from the synagogue, the people begged <clears throat> that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them, Paul and Barnabas urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city, that's important, gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Because they came back to the synagogue. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. But since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So in the face of gospel resistance, here's our first point this morning. We've got to speak God's word boldly. Amen? We've got to speak God's word boldly. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, speak God's word. Look at your other neighbor and say, speak God's word. <clears throat> so, so, so it says, the text tells us in verse 42, as they went out. So, so Paul, listen, Paul had just finished this like gospel blazer of a sermon, right? First sermon, I, like I, you know, my, my first sermon, uh, not, not this solid. But he just finished 
the sermon in, in, in the synagogue at Antioch of Pisidia. Remember, this was the, in the Galatian region. And immediately, as we see throughout Acts, there's two very different responses to the message of Jesus. Very different responses. Some of the Jews and proselytes, some of the, 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 these Gentiles who had converted to Judaism, they, we see in verse 43, they, 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 they already they followed after Paul and Barnabas. Now, we probably don't need to assume that every single one of them had, uh, were saved at this point, but the text tells us that Paul and Barnabas urged this group of people to continue in the grace of God. So at the very least, they were beginning to connect the dots that, that Jesus was who they, they were saying he was, that he was the fulfillment of the, the prophets, the law and the prophets in the Old Testament scriptures. But then in verse 44, we, we begin to see the reason for this opposition that was about to happen. Because it says, when it says the whole city, understand what that means. It means that Gentiles, Gentiles show up on the scene at the synagogue, around the synagogue, to, to hear the message of Paul and Barnabas. And so when you get to verse 45 and it says the Jews, listen, it's, it's, it's likely not a, a, a reference to the, the, the Jews in general, but rather a nod to the Jewish religious leaders uh, and those that were under their influence. But the text, check out the text, it says that they were filled with jealousy. They, they, they were filled with resentment. You say, well, why? Some, some speculate that it was because of the crowd size, right? They were jealous because of the crowd size that Paul and Barnabas were able to draw and that they were able to command. But here's the deal. I, I think there's a, there's a deeper theological ramification. Uh, and it's this. It's, if Paul's message is that by Jesus... Everyone who believes is freed, because he said that back in verses 38 and 39 toward the end of his message, that by Jesus, everyone who believes is freed. That everyone included the Gentiles, amen? And that meant that the Gentiles now had direct access to God through Jesus. It, didn't mean, it meant that they didn't have to jump through the hoops of Judaism. It meant that the, the Jews' grip of power was slipping, and, and they, weren't, they weren't big fans of that. And it, it's funny to think about, but presumably the same leaders who back in verse 15 were asking Paul, like, hey, Brother Paul, why don't you give us a word? Like, they're like just trying to get him to shut up now right? <laughs> They're doing everything in their power to shut Paul up. And so verse 46 says, Paul and Barnabas, they, they spoke out boldly. They spoke out boldly. In our, listen, in our second point this morning, I, I, I'll address what Paul meant by, by the word of God being spoken first to Israel. So we'll get to that in just a moment, but suffice it to say the, the resistance and, and the, the hostility against these two missionaries was, was a direct result, it's directly related to the word of God. And, and check this out, church fam. It's not that, it's not that these, uh, the, the Jews didn't, uh, that they, it's not that they didn't have access to or that they didn't know the scriptures. No, they just didn't want to obey what they said. They just didn't want to obey the scriptures. 
They didn't like it when someone came along and pointed out that Jesus was, was the answer and that their, their works-based system of salvation was broken. They didn't like that. Daryl Box says as a, as a group, the Jews had taken God's word. They pushed it aside and repudiated it. And it's interesting. Anywhere, listen, anywhere you see pushback against the gospel of Jesus, anywhere where you see pushback against the word of God, whether, whether inside or outside the church, long before, listen, long before people have either redefined the word of God or they have relegated the word of God to secondary status. Are y'all with me? If you're with me, church fam, say amen. amen. Anywhere you see pushback, those are the things that have already happened. And now, see, that now either experiences or, or ideologies or other sources have become primary, and they're driving the interpretation of Scripture. Church, that's backwards. That's backwards. A biblical worldview says that we interpret uh, experience, ideology, culture, politics, all other writings, all other things, first and foremost, through the lens of Scripture. Church fam, notice that Paul, Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they don't back away from the Scripture. Far from it. They, they, they point out that the resistance is precisely because others were, were rejecting the, the word of God. And, and you say, well, what, what does that have to do with us? Listen, it, it's, it's happening. It's all around us. I look back there. Uh, there was a, this story, is, it, it's a little dated, but about five years, years ago, uh, I, I was reminded this week, there, there's a popular uh, megachurch pastor uh, in Georgia who five years ago, uh, he, had a, he had a sermon series, and he's trying to help his, his people understand uh, who God is. And, and uh, the, the, the series title was called, Who Needs God? And, and, and the particular message that he preached uh, was, was titled, The Bible the Bible Tells Me So. And it was a, a play on words from the, the, the children's song, Jesus Loves Me. And in, in the sermon, he, the, the, the statement was made. He told his congregation, many of you were brought up to believe that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he said, this, this is where our trouble began. He said, because the implication is, and this is important, that the Bible is, is the reason that we believe. And he goes on, in other words, I can believe Jesus loves me because it's in the Bible. And he said, he told his congregation, I, I grew up in a church where basically the byline and the subtitle to everything was, if the Bible says it, that settles it. And so he said, we, we send kids off to college, and if the Bible says it, that settles it. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, oh my goodness, that, that didn't settle it. And the problem with that, he said, is if the Bible is the foundation of our faith, as the Bible goes, so goes our faith. Christianity cannot uh, survive if somehow every single part of the Bible isn't absolutely true if the Bible is the foundation of our faith. Now to, now to this pastor's credit, he, 
And to be fair, he came back and later he affirmed that he, he did indeed believe that the Bible was the inerrant word of God. But if that's the case, why, why preach a sermon alluding to the fact that our belief system is not rooted in and dependent upon the reliability of the Old and the New Testament? It's like this, church, we... We don't believe the gospel because a gentle breeze uh, gave us the warm fuzzies and we realize, oh man, there is a God. Did you feel that? No, just the AC's working this morning, (laughs) right? (laughs) We don't don't believe the gospel uh, because our, our trip to the Grand Canyon, like, made us realize we were sinners, right? <laughs> like, like you roll up, like, look at, oh my God, like, I am so sinful. <laughs> like, what are, like, what are we talking about? The reason we believe is because of the Bible. Yeah. Amen? And yes, when the Bible reveals that, that Jesus that Jesus is, is the Son of God, the perfect image bearer of the Father, God in human flesh. When it reveals that Jesus came to take the penalty for your sin, that he came to be your righteousness, that he came to go before you and go before us in resurrection, yeah, that settles it. That settles it. Like we don't, we don't shy away from the Bible. And, and yes, they're, they're hard parts. Yes, they're, they're parts that make us uncomfortable. Yes, they're parts of Scripture that we, we wrestle with and we, we labor to understand. But we don't, we don't pull an Andrew Jackson and just start ripping out the parts of the Bible that we don't like. Mark Driscoll, a couple weeks ago in a sermon, he, he said this, we don't, we don't edit the Bible because... Uh, God got it right the first time. Here's the application. What does what does that what does that mean for you? When, listen, when you when you meet Christian, listen. When you meet resistance, when you meet resistance specifically around your faith, or specifically around the the gospel, don't listen. Don't don't react with opinions. Don't, don't react with worldly ideologies. And, and listen, don't, don't go back on the, don't go on the attack either. Don't, 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 be a, don't be a jerk, but don't step off of Jesus either, amen? You don't have to be a jerk, but don't, don't step off of Jesus either. Be, be gracious, but speak God's word boldly. Be gracious, but speak God's word boldly. Second thing this morning. As you look at verse 46 and 47. It says this. I'm going to read 46 again. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Our second point, listen, in the face of gospel resistance, listen, we've got to share God's heart for all people. Amen? We have got to share God's heart for all people. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, all people. 
Now look at your other neighbor and say, no, really, all people. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, conf- I threw you off there. <laughs> Satan, Satan is not original, church fam. Like, he, he's not, a, right, right now, if you look around the culture, if you look around our nation, like, we're, we're all camped up. We're, we're all camped up over ethnicity and uh, politics and ideologies and, and, and the like. And, and it's like, I, I'm with this group. I, I'm, with, I'm with that group. And Satan's like, yes. Satan's like, amen. And in Acts 13, listen, it was the Jewish religious leaders who were camped up. They were... They were on team Judaism salvation, not team Jesus salvation. And along comes Paul, and Paul, Paul says, yes, the, 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 word, the word had to come to you first. Why? Be, because the, the nation of Israel was, was God's chosen people. All, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and God's calling of Abram. Church fam, read, listen, read, read Romans 9 through 11. You'll understand better not only, not only Paul's heart, but God's heart for the nation of Israel. And here, But here's what they missed. Ready? God's plan was always for Israel to be a missionary people. Always. Even... Genesis 12, 3, as God was entering into covenant calling Abram, he said he he wanted all the families of the earth to be blessed through Abram. But from the jump, Israel failed to understand their their, their missionary role in the world. So Paul, Paul, he he says this in verse 46, you have thrust God's word aside. In the Greek, it's this word, apotheo, means to reject, to repudiate. So Paul says, we are, we are turning to the Gentiles. Now, now that, that doesn't mean that Paul quit ministering to the Jews. Far from it. You, you're going to see, he continues his pattern of going to, as he goes to a new city, he's going to, he starts in the local Jewish synagogue if there is one, but Paul's statement is consistent with his calling in Acts 9.15, where God specifically says, no, he, Paul, listen, he's going to suffer a lot. He is my instrument to the Gentiles. A Jewish man, God's instrument to the Gentiles. Paul then, in verse 47, he quotes Isaiah 49.6. And what's interesting is he quotes Isaiah 49.6, where he says, I've made a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. It's talking about the servant. It's talking about Jesus, God's servant, who would come and be that light and bring salvation. But here's what's interesting. Unlike Israel... Paul understood God's missionary call. Amen? He understood God's missionary call. Daryl Bach says the Lord had commanded Barnabas and Paul to undertake this this role of being a guide to the nations concerning the way of God. And they're now seen, Bach says, as an extension of the work of the servant of the Lord, of Jesus. And so the task of Jesus continues in his servants. And part of boldly declaring God's word is sharing God's heart for all people. Amen, church? 
Like I, I love, I love that God is beginning to, to raise up international missionaries among us here at Restoration. Amen? Some of you are sitting here right now, and God, God may call you or be calling you to the mission field. I love that this fall that, that, we, are, that we are sending out the Schraders. We're sending out Sam Stone and Daniel Evans and potentially others overseas. But the truth is, God's called all of us to mission. Amen? He's called all of us to mission. The question is, are we so steeped in our comfort that we've lost the sense of conviction and urgency for all people. Story was told years ago that there was a missionary in Africa was once asked if if he really liked what he was doing, and his his response was shocking. He, he said, "Do do I do I like this work?" He said, "No, no, my 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 wife and I do not do not like dirt. We we." He said, "We have." reasonable, uh, refined sensibilities, but, but we, we do not like crawling into uh, the huts through, through uh, goat refuse, but is a man to do nothing for Christ that he does not like. God pity him if not. Liking or disliking ha- has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go, and, and we go. Love compels us. Love constrains us. And here's, here's the application, church fam. Look, look around today at how, at how camped up we are. And here, here's what that really means. The more, the more camped up we are, the more we're like the Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day. Sure, the the works-based systems go by different names, but it's all the same. It may not be it may not be called Judaism, but it's whatever the current cultural flavor of works-based salvation is. It's if you're not you're not really in unless you're part of our camp, or unless you're you're part of our group, or unless you embrace what we're saying, or unless you embrace our ideology. And inevitably, humans are down here, and we're all playing favorites. Well, God is down with my people, or God is down with this group or that group. And church fam, I know that this is getting increasingly harder to hear, and it's getting even more hard to say. But last time I, I checked, listen, God's heart is for broken sinners. God's heart is for broken sinners. And again, last time I checked, that encapsulates every group, every color, every class, Every, every kind of person. Amen? Because here's the, here's the sad reality. So often when we're all camped up, you, you, know, you know what we're not doing? You know what we're not doing? We're not focused on taking Jesus to the nations, to the world around us, to all people. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to win people over to our ideology. We're trying to convert people over to our, to our camp. And so the primary missionary vehicle of God, his church, snuffs out its own light. We're no longer light, the light of the world. 
We're no longer the salt of the earth. And listen, it is bad news for a world in darkness when we fail to share God's heart for all people. It's bad news for a world in darkness when we fail to share God's heart for all people. Third thing this morning, look at verses 48 through 52. It says this, when the, it says this, Cedric, I hope your mic is okay. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life, they believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. And the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And they drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them. And they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Here's our third point this morning. Ready? Shake off the hate. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, shake off the hate. Come on now. I know y'all know can do better than that. Look at your other neighbor and say, shake off the hate. Off the hate. <laughs> there you go. In verse 48, we have one of the strongest verses of Scripture revealing God's sovereignty over salvation. Listen, doesn't absolve people of their human responsibility to respond to the good news, but it, it does point to God's clear calling and election. And then as we get to verse 49, we see the fourth reference just in this passage to the word of the Lord. Verse 50 See, at this point, we, we see the Jewish leaders resort. They resort to a new tactic. <laughs> they, they incite and they stir up the wealthy Gentile women. Presumably, these were, these were probably proselytes. These, was, these were probably converts to Judaism themselves. But they also stir up some of the, the Gentile leaders, the men of the town, to run Paul out of town. And, and what's listen, church, here's what's fascinating about this. What's fascinating about this is that the Jewish religious leaders, they, had, they have no trouble yoking themselves up with Gentiles, even, even like lost pagan Gentiles. These, these men of the city would have been part of the local moon-worshiping cult in Antioch of Pisidia. And so he, here's, here's what that, that's telling us. When the gospel is under attack with this kind of resistance, it's not so uncommon to, to listen, it's not uncommon for, to see groups come together in unity against the gospel that otherwise you would have never seen to come together. Come together. You all with me? Notice Paul and Barnabas' response. Verse 51, it says they, they shook off the dust, their feet. They shook off the dust from their feet against them. And this gesture was, was symbolic of, of God's indictment. It, it was, listen, it essentially meant that they were, they were leaving the judgment to God. They were leaving the judgment to God. To God, they they shook off, they shook off the hate 
And if, if, you are, if you're humming Taylor Swift in your head right now, just know you're a step away from church discipline, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding, but seriously. Church, there is so much, so much to glean from their response. Let me give you a few things. First, listen, Christian, you don't, you don't respond to hate with more hate. Amen? As Martin Luther King Jr. said, returning hate for hate, it multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. But my, my, how far are we from this in our culture, in our country right now? And straight up, all the camps have plenty of hate going around. All of them. We got all kinds of stuff going on this morning just means the Spirit's trying to move. <laughs> Only love can do that. I, I, I got a buddy, admittedly, he's, he's lost, he doesn't know Jesus, but he, but he posted on Facebook last, last, this past week, he said, uh, on his wall, he said, I will, I will forever choose revenge, I will heal in hell. And there was this mixed response of like, Amens versus like shocked emoji, like faces and gifts. But at least he, at least he said it because I, I, feel like, I feel like we've got too many, even pastors and church leaders who are spewing out anger and hate and vitriol while still trying to front like, like they're rooted in the cross of Christ. Sorry. You, you, don't, you don't get to speak and act and vent hate in unforgiveness while, while clinging to the cross. Wrong cross. Because if we're, listen, <laughs> there was a cross where hate was spewing out, but it was the criminal's cross next to Jesus, and he was doing it towards Jesus. But if we're talking about the cross of Christ, that's where Jesus said, Father, forgive them. So it at least my buddy on Facebook is being consistent. And here's another thing. Another thing to consider. Don't, don't, let, don't let the culture define hate. Amen? <laughs> I, I need, like, don't let the culture define hate. Amen? Y'all hear me? This, this is so critically important. Why? Because God, God's word defines sin. In the, the simple truth is that this, this world is a, is a sinful place that justifies sin. And so to the world, hate can be anything that shines a light on sin. Some of us need to hear that this morning. To the world, hate can be anything that shines a light on sin. So when, when churches and when Christians are, are living for the approval of the world... Versus the approval of Christ, we, we can get quickly swept up into this, this uh, cultural relativism and we, we start labeling as hate what God calls truth. God forgive us. And one final thing to note, church fam, <laughs> remaining, 
No, this remaining gracious in the face of resistance will, will save your life. Will save your life. Grace will save your life spiritually because it's by our, our, our gracious character that we reveal the, the heart and the character of a loving God. But grace, grace will also save your life physically because anger and bitterness and hate will literally consume your body. It will consume your body. It will eat you up with this endless cycle of anxiety and angst and stress and frustration, and it will affect your health. Know this, church fam, when I, when I, say, when I say grace, don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Gr- grace, grace is not acceptance of all things. Listen, biblically, grace is showing undeserved favor while standing boldly on the word of God. Grace is showing undeserved favor toward others while standing boldly on God's word. Close with this this morning and we're done. Close with this. John, in, in John 17, Jesus, Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet in John 13. He, he had just told them to abide in Christ in, in John 15. And, and so just before his arrest and trial in John 18, he, he prays over his disciples in John 17, this high priestly prayer. And part of what he said, part of that prayer, he says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also, check this out, for those who will believe in me through their word. See, Jesus spoke God's word boldly. He clung to the truth of God. He recognized that his disciples, his followers would be set apart and sanctified in the truth of his word. Not only that, in verse 20 of John 17, Jesus revealed the Father's heart for all people. When he's praying for those who would believe through the word of the disciples, he's praying for you. He's praying for me, showing God's heart for all people. And then we see in John 18, as Jesus is being confronted and as he's being arrested, at least one sword is drawn. And in John 18, 11, as as he's John 18, 11, as he's putting the ear back on Malchus, the, the servant of the temple priest, Jesus says to Peter, put your sword into its sheath, sheath that I, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Put your sword away. And today Jesus is telling the church the, the, the same, put, put, your, put your sword away. Shake off the hate. Leave, leave it to me. Like, I, I've got this. What does all this mean? It means that we're not, we're not blazing a new trail, church fam. <laughs> we're walking where Jesus has already trod. Amen? 
We're just going where Jesus has already gone before us. So put the pieces together in your reaction to resistance. You reveal your allegiance. In your reaction, you, you reveal your allegiance. Christian, you follow King Jesus. You, you want to get, get the right reaction to resistance? Follow Jesus. Let's pray.